You're listening to Destination Country X, a KPMG tax radio podcast series. We cover key U.S. and foreign tax and trade developments that affect cross-border investment. I'm your host, Kim Major, a principal with Washington National Tax and tax industry lead for U.S. international corridors. We're glad you could join us. Enjoy the program. Not too long after BEPS Country by Country Reporting made its debut in 2015, the possibility of public CYC reporting was raised for multinational groups operating in the EU. Arguably, public CYC came as a surprise, especially as BEPS Action 13 takes pains to protect the taxpayer information presented in the private reports. Since then, public CYC has had a bit of a wild ride backing and forthing from one year to the next, and it finally appears that a resolution is in sight, although not, perhaps, the one that will make multinational groups particularly happy. Joining me today are my co-host, Courtney Wallace, an international tax principal from our Detroit office, Vino Kalu, head of international tax policy from our Amsterdam office, and John Derahanesian, U.S. country-by-country lead out of Washington National Tax. Thanks, Kim, and welcome, Vino and John. We're really looking forward to talking through this topic today. I know many of the clients that I'm working with are really struggling with this push for increased transparency. I feel like there was more of a freak out about public country-by-country reporting than private, or at least it was neck and neck. But, Vino, let's start with the punchline. Where does public C-by-C reporting stand in the EU? In recent weeks, the EU has decided to take the public country-by-country proposal one step forward. Within the EU context, you need a so-called qualified majority voting to adopt this type of legislation. And the threshold is 15 member states needing to vote in favor of the proposal of the 27 EU member states. A few weeks ago, the EU Council concluded that they have informally now reached that threshold. When I last checked on this, the EU member states had decided not to proceed on public CYC reporting. I think that was the end of 2019. So what's changed since then? What has changed, I think, is the public pressure on some EU member states, civil society getting involved, and to a certain extent also business associations voluntarily moving towards public country by country reporting. And some of the member states that were not necessarily in favor or hesitant, like Estonia, Lithuania, Slovenia, and Austria, have now reached the yes camp rather than the hesitant camp. And just having these four extra member states on the yes vote will bring this topic further in the EU negotiation process. Now, Germany is still on the fence, is it not? Yes, formally Germany abstained from voting on this proposal. Informally, we have been made aware that especially the German Business Association is uh, very hesitant on the topic. They feel that public country by country reporting could disclose commercially sensitive information. The German position in public remains somewhat silent, But informally, I have this feeling that they're still on the no camp. Right. Seems like politically, it doesn't make sense then necessarily to come out strongly. So if you're going to be a no, doing it quietly seems like only way to be. I'm putting this together now. After the 2019 vote, Germany 
came into the leadership spot and they were, let's just call it ambivalent. So they did not put public country by country reporting on the agenda. Is that right? The EU Council has a rotating presidency. So every six months, another EU member state has the presidency of the council. It basically gives you the right to determine and set the European agenda for six months. And currently, Portugal has that EU rotating chair. And Portugal has set their sights on these specific topics. The Portuguese were adamant to make this their legacy. The Portuguese are willing to show by the end of June this year that they've basically achieved significant progress. I can't imagine, honestly, that Germany saying no, regardless of the fact that you have a qualified majority in the other countries, is going to be an easy ride. Yeah, I think, Kim, that's a fair statement. Even in the case of qualified majority voting, in practice of the EU legislation process, the process always tends to lead towards consensus, even though technically they could vote to adopt the legislation. So after 100% cases of qualified majority voting proposals, we have seen that 95% of the cases, they actually reach unanimity. Just in 4% of the cases, we have abstaining votes, and only in 1%, we have an actual dissenting vote, but usually from a smaller member state and never from a larger member. So that's going to be really interesting as this proceeds. And now that we seem to be out of the gates in a real way, the million-dollar question, what are we looking at in terms of possible timing for this to hit the desk of multinational groups? So let's take the potential scenario that by the end of 2021, the European Council has an agreement with the European Parliament and that Germany does not vote no, but perhaps even just abstains from voting, and we would have a qualified majority voting, then by the end of this year, we could have legislation adopted by the EU, giving the EU member states the whole financial year of 2022 to implement the legislation into domestic law to be effective from 1st of Jan 2023 for the financial reporting year 2023. So that's a little frightening for folks. Right. As we think about the data presentation and as people are trying to get ready and think about what they might need to have ready for this type of reporting, is the data that we're looking for in the OECD version and the public C by C similar or are there some differences there that folks should be thinking about? I think if we take the OCD BEPS 13 template as the example, the European Council proposal currently is more or less a condensed version of BEPS Action 13. However, European Parliament might want to expand on that condensed version. The European Parliament wants specific details of public subsidies received or donations to politicians and preferential tax treatment that a certain company has received in a certain jurisdiction, most notably IP regimes or patent boxes or equivalent regimes. The EU Council's version of public country-by-country reporting would not necessarily pick up all of the countries and present them individually. Is that right? That's correct. The current proposal of the Council allows for country-by-country reporting for the entities in the EU member states, so in the 27 EU member states, plus on a per-country basis for so-called EU 
tax haven blacklisted jurisdictions and the rest of the world is only on an aggregate basis. So the rest of the world would include the US, now the UK, Switzerland, and hasn't Cayman's been removed from the non-cooperating jurisdictions list? That's correct. And territorial tax jurisdictions like Hong Kong would also be lumped into the rest of the world line. So I guess I could definitely see why there would be a push for the rest of the world reporting on an individual line item basis. I assume that stateless, which is the big deal on the private CYC reporting side, stateless entities aren't reported as stateless, are they? What I've seen so far, that partnerships are not mentioned. So that is unclear at present. To me, that makes a lot of sense. On the private CYC side, everyone's focused on how much in terms of stateless revenues are being earned. But honestly, it's not like that's Kleinbardian statelessness. That's not double non-taxation. It's the use of fiscally transparent entities, but BAPS really is not about choice of entity. It's about trying to figure out where you have base erosion profit stripping, and that doesn't necessarily happen with respect to partnerships. I agree. And it seems like with the extra data on the subsidiaries, as I'm thinking about it from a kind of company perspective, most of the companies I work with are building up that information and getting it into appropriate jurisdictions. So the buildup isn't maybe the issue, but it certainly changes the view, right? Because in the current kind of CYC, everything kind of gets mushed together. This way pulls it out. So I think you would see if you had things happening in different chains or, like you said, advantaged subsidiaries that were getting a bigger benefit or otherwise, right? So I think it's certainly going to change the view of things. Yeah, I agree with you. I know there had been talk of potentially dropping the reporting threshold from the OECD's 750 million euros. Is that still being discussed? No, Now the proposal is being negotiated with the European Parliament because the European Parliament in qualified majority voting cases have co-decision rights. And the European Parliament is far more focal and far more demanding on the topic of public country by country board. This lowering of the threshold of 750 million to, for example, 40 million came from the European Parliament a few years ago. You've already seen some indications that perhaps lowering of the threshold or perhaps even disclosing more information than the Council currently suggests will very much be on the table. John, we're starting to hear noises about a public CYC proposal in the United States. What's been going on with CYC on the Hill? There's actually two draft bills. One is the Stop Tax Haven Act, and the other is the Disclosure of Tax Haven and Offshore Act. Both bills have actually been floating around for several years now. The Stop Tax Haven Act dates back to the earlier financial crisis of 2007-2008 and was introduced by then-Senator Barack Obama. Both of those proposals really focused on companies doing business in the traditional tax haven. But over the years, they've morphed into what we now think of as public C-by-C reporting. So mandating that companies publicly disclose their C-by-Cs. It's as recent as the first COVID relief bill that was going through in March of 2020. There was a provision that was put forth by a Democratic senator to try to push public C-by-C reporting. In this context, the word public is probably doing double duty here. It, of course, requires public disclosure of a country-by-country report, but it's limited to SEC registrants, so effectively public companies, making public companies publish their country-by-country report 
along with their annual reports. Is this just U.S.-based multinationals that are publicly traded on the U.S. exchanges, or is this any multinational that would be publicly traded in the U.S.? It's any publicly listed company in the U.S., so all as SEC registrants. It's amazing to me because it's 180 degrees from where we were when private country-by-country reporting hit the desk in 2015. I mean, you saw the hill going, oh, we could not possibly do this to U.S. businesses. That was just the private side of it. And now that that's kind of water under the bridge, I would have thought that the very last thing that would have come out of a discussion that started that way would be, oh, let's do this publicly. It is a big shift. I agree with you, Tim. I agree. It's funny, the early bills that came out were really just focused on the tax havens, and they had no chance of passing. Ten years later, they've actually pushed for more disclosure, and it really is a big shift in the way people are looking at this issue. As part of a larger package, I could see this getting slipped in and it getting pushed through with the populism movement gaining speed across the globe, actually. Far from a done deal, but it's just not hard for me to believe that it would get passed. Years ago, I was talking to an audit committee about public CYC, and one of the external directors said something that made me think about this in a very, very different way. He said, when it comes right down to it, public CYC for the public is to some extent, but not entirely, not even largely, about tax. This is going to come down to employment. This is going to be a lot of voters A lot of individual taxpayers looking at someone's public country-by-country report and saying, why do you earn a bajillion dollars in our jurisdiction, but you only employ 17 people? This is about jobs. If you're going to be making that much money in this jurisdiction, you need to create more jobs here. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, actually. And I think you see some of that in the ESG reporting that's going on. Companies that are disclosing their country by country report publicly. They're taking a lot of the Action 13 data, but they're lumping in other data points. We don't pay a lot of income tax, but we pay social taxes. We pay a lot of VAT, tariffs, whatever it happens to be. This is our economic contribution on a country-by-country basis. And so I think you're right. It is not necessarily about income tax, but other issues, employment being one of them. So, John, as we're chatting with our clients, have you come across some practical kind of coping mechanisms? Yeah. So, first and foremost, this is not just a compliance exercise. I think in the first year or two of CYC, a lot of taxpayers just wanted to get their country-by-country reports done, get the numbers out, and then move on. We're starting to see a lot of audits now. So, doing some level of risk assessment is key. The OECD put out a guide on how to risk assess a C by C. It was meant for tax authorities, but it was put out there publicly. Take that guide and apply that. Run the key analytics and ratios. Try to figure out where your hotspots are. I think what a lot of taxpayers miss are the false positives. And if there's something the C by C is great at doing, it's raising false positives. And I think part of answering those false positives is reconciling your data. Now, the C by C, the original Action 13 report said there's no duty to reconcile, and that's true. Practically speaking, though, I think you want to do that. Maybe not down to the dollar or the penny, but at a high level, you want to know how your numbers reconcile from your C by C to your consolidated financial to your local stat or tax reports. 
you want to be able to answer those false positives in a very quick and proactive manner. There have been stories about, I think it's the Canadians who have actually been auditing the country by country report. That sounds a little bit nuts to me because you can have multiple sources of data. It's probably unlikely that anyone that is auditing the C by C report as a true information return is necessarily going to get anywhere. What I worry about is that we're going to end up with that same phenomenon, but in the public C by C, and we're going to get other people who are not particularly well suited to doing audits, like your investors. I think companies are going to want to create effectively public disclosures to help reconcile their public filings, your annual report with your C by C, and perhaps add some color and context to the extent you can. There's no clear guidance that on this, the, the prima facie C by C in the EU is going to allow for extra detail, but perhaps on your website, you might be able to explain some of the numbers and some of the data that are on your C by C report. You're a company and you've got confidential taxpayer information, and all of a sudden that has to be posted on your website for everyone, including your competitors, to take a look at. And that's not good, except that you get to turn around and look at your competitors' information. I would suspect that over the course of time, you're going to get a conflation of the publicly disclosed information. I think it's almost a natural reaction. And as you get more of a bell on the curve and everybody starts looking more and more like each other, you're going to have less and less for the public to necessarily pick apart and say, ah, here's your outlier. We've seen some of those companies publish pretty glossy and nice, effectively ESG type reports, maybe focusing on the G, explaining their contributions to the world, putting some of those numbers in context. And if public C by C goes wide, I think you'll see a lot more companies start doing that. Yeah. So Vino, what do you think about coping mechanisms? I would like to take more of a helicopter view here, Kim, on your question. What we are seeing here happening over the past five, six, seven years, and perhaps continuing in the next five years, is piercing the corporate veil. The corporate shell is being unpicked, basically. So first, companies were required to exchange information on a whole range of topics with the tax administrations and maybe sometimes to financial regulators. Now they're being forced to basically tell the world what they're doing and where they're doing it. Another great example is the, the European legislation with a public register for ultimate beneficial ownership of companies. So what you see is that the public wants to know who the company is, what the company does, and where they do it. And this trend is not set to back down in the years to come. So high-risk, low-gain activity. And at this point, the public country-by-country reporting debate seems to have come in like the proverbial lion. Will it go out like the lamb? Well, it sounds like we'll find out in the next few months. In the meantime, thanks so much for joining us. Stay well, everyone. We'll speak again soon. You've been listening to Destination Country X. Thanks so much for tuning in. We look forward to speaking to you next time.